Hello, guys. Welcome back to the Gritty Men podcast. I'm John Riggs, your host. And as always, our main purpose here is threefold. We're here to equip, to encourage, and inspire God's men to live God's way for God's glory in these days. Guys, welcome back to the podcast. I hope uh, that you are gaining some good information from the time that we spend putting these together. And today we're going to discuss a topic that is very relevant for each and every one of us uh, that are listening to this podcast today, and that is the topic of sexual purity and likewise sexual immorality. Now we know, guys, that we do live in a sex-crazed society. Um, sex in our culture is actually worshipped, and this trend that we have going on in our nation has been happening now really since about the 1950s, and we have this, this leaving behind of the God of all creation and, 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 and worshipping um, not only self, but creation and and um, God in Romans chapter 1, just the process of what happens, God gives them over uh, and he gives them over to uh, the degrading of their bodies and that begins with sexual immorality and a sexual revolution of the 1960s and we move along as we go through time and they still see not fit to give God glory and honor him and worship him. So God gives them over once again to do things that ought not to be done. And now we have a homosexual revolution because when you leave God, there's a degradation of moral um, values and moral living. And so there's a natural propensity for a society and culture that pushes against the wicked, evil depravity of this world. When that begins to loosen, obviously the culture goes that direction. And then from the sexual revolution to a homosexual revolution, God gave them over to do things that ought not to be done. He gives them over to a depraved mind. And we find ourselves there in that scenario today. We are living in a society and a culture that is rampantly um, filled with individuals who have absolutely depraved minds. And so, guys, how are we to live in this generation? How do we resist the culture and the prevalency of this sexual immorality um, in a way that we can live contrary to it and bring honor and glory to God. Listen, every single one of you out there is being impacted from this sex-crazed culture. Um, the reality is, guys, the, the trend of all of this, the calculation of the damage that has resulted in where we are in our society really cannot even be measured. I mean, we are, we are in a very, very, very bad place as a society. And let me just begin with this. I'm really going to just really hone in on this, guys. I can't stress enough the importance of you living a sexually pure life before God. And we're going to get into why this is so significant and why is this so very important. Now, I realize that there may be many of you listening to me right now that currently are struggling with sexual immorality. And one of the reasons for that is, number one, it seems that the, the church in general has now moved on from that to what they would consider to be more important things. 
And I hear this sometimes from pastors. Well, that ship has sailed. In other words, we've given up. It's it's over. And it is true, guys, that many of those that I counsel in premarriage counseling are already living in sexual immorality. And these are those who call themselves Christians. Now, we need to seriously address this today because it's very important. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 writes this, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Paul says there shouldn't even be a hint of sexual immorality among you. Shouldn't even be a part of your life. Now, let me say this. Sex is a wonderful gift God has given in the context and with the confinement of a monogamous covenant Christian marriage between one man and one woman. As we're going to learn today, and even probably next week on the podcast, as we begin to give you guys ways in which you can uh, live purely before God in sexual purity, um, we are, are in a time that we must understand the significance of this. And so I'm not saying this. Sex in itself is not bad, but sex out of the design that God intended for sex to be in and part of is entirely devastating and wrong. In fact, it's sinful, as we're going to see. We know, though, unfortunately, within the church, we're called to be set apart. We're called to be living for the glory of God. We're called to be following Christ, to walk in obedience to his word, to be representatives of God here on earth, that God is reconciling man through us as we are ambassadors for Christ. And so our role is very important. And so the way in which we live matters greatly. But it's sad to say today that within the church, we know that sexual immorality is rampant among those who claim to be Christians, both men and women. Now, here's some stats. This is from Barna Group. Um, And obviously, I feel like these stats are probably not exactly correct because I believe the numbers are actually probably higher because I doubt very many people or not everyone's going to be honest about where they are in relation to their sexual purity. But nonetheless, here's some of the stats that the Barna Group did. There are around 42 million. This is actually, I think, from 2016, so this is old. These numbers are far greater today, are definitely increased. There are around 42 million porn websites, guys which totals around 370 million pages of porn. Now, I will say this. America is the number one producer and the number one consumer of porn in the world. Yes, there are a lot of other places in the world that consume and produce pornography. But America, we take the cake, man. We are at the very top of it all. The porn industry, their annual revenue is more than the NFL, NBA, and MLB combined. It's a very lucrative business because sex sells with a depraved culture. 
Our depraved culture craves sex. It it promotes sex. It 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 celebrates and worships sex. It is also the porn industry more than the combined revenues of ABC, CBS, and NBC. And I would say, well, that's probably not that astounding considered uh, what type of um, information we're getting from the ABC, CBS, and NBC. They're, 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 they're uh, definitely a left-wing um, news uh, production company, those are. But anyway, just to say that we see the porn industry's monetary value of income is absolutely incredible. 47% of families in the United States reported that pornography is a problem in their home. That is only those homes that were um, asked to be a part of, of this, um, this test that actually admitted that they had a porn problem in their home. That's nearly 50% of the homes in the United States that were a part of this study. Almost 50% of them say they have a pornography problem within the home. Pornography use increases, which this is no, this is no like mind-blowing concept. Pornography use increases the marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. Why is that? Because it will begin with a a, a watching, but eventually it's going to be acted out, okay? It, it, it's a natural progression. We'll get into that next week in more detail. So 300% increase in infidelity within marriages where, where there's pornography within that relationship. No brainer. That's not to be uh, a surprise. Eleven is the average age, guys, that a child is first exposed to pornography, and 94% of children will see porn by the age of 14. That's nearly 100% of children. So, guys, we have children who we are giving these, um, these cell phones to at very young ages. And uh, so we have to be very, very careful and cognitive about what we're doing as parents. We're actually putting these things in the hands of our kids, and it's dangerous. So we need to be thinking about this, okay? 59% of pastors said married men seek their help uh, for porn use. So pastors are saying that 59% uh, of those who seek their help are seeking them for uh, help with porn. That's a huge number, by the way. 33% of women ages 25 and under search for porn at least once per month. This is not just a man issue anymore. Um, I know that men are... Um, driven more by sex, but when your culture becomes depraved, it infiltrates both men and women in a depraved way. And so the increase in this obviously is not a surprise. 13% of self-identified Christian women say they never watch porn, only 13%. That's a very low number. So that tells us that, what, we have a large portion of our women that admit that they do watch porn. 55% of married men and 25% of married women say they watch porn at least once a month. 
57% of pastors say porn addiction is the most damaging issue in their congregation. Then why is it, if it's the most damaging issue in their congregation, do we hear so little teaching about sexual purity and the dangers of sexual immorality? The reason is because it's not popular. Okay, and it's not in vogue, and it's not comfortable, and it's not easy, but we need to be addressing these things as pastors. 69% say porn has adversely impacted the church. That's almost 70%, and we know it has. It's had a great impact. Only 7% of pastors say their church has a program <coughs> excuse me, to help people struggling with pornography. We at our church here have a recovery program, and it's for all types of addiction. And some of those that are part of that recovery program are those who struggle from pornographic addiction. And there is a way to overcome this, guys. And God will help us overcome this if you struggle with this, with this vice. I hear men say all the time that this is really no big deal. I, I hear this from guys. Are you kidding me? That's not a big deal. All guys do it. It's natural. It's normal. Uh, but here's the deal. They're absolutely right in this. It's not just a big deal. They're right. No, no, no. It is a far great, it's far greater than just a big deal. This is a deadly, deadly, deadly deal. It is serious, guys. And we need to take sexual purity very, very seriously in our life. This is not a game. This is serious business. And it will destroy you absolutely destroy you. If you allow it to have its way, it will destroy you. It will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your life. And it will take from you everything that has value and that matters, including your own masculinity. It is emasculating. It is meant to destroy you. It will destroy your mind. It will destroy all aspects of your life. Don't play around with this. Satan knows this reality, and he knows why it's so grave in nature and dangerous in the life of a Christian man. We don't play around with this deal. It's serious business. It is like opening Pandora's box. Now, the expression opening Pandora's box is, is simply this, a person's actions that causes themselves and others problems to appear that did not exist or were not known about before. In other words, when you open this box, it is, it is devastating what it can do to you. Okay, it's serious. I can't express this enough. Here's the thing about sin. Sin will always take you further than you thought it you would go. And this is very true of sexual sin. It will always take you further than you thought you would go. Oh, I hear guys say, oh, I got it under control. I've got this. You don't have anything. It has you. Number two, sin, sexual sin, will always keep you longer than you intended to stay. And sexual sin, including all sin, will always cost you more than you ever thought that you would have to pay. These are the lies of Satan. But this is the reality of opening this Pandora's box of pornography and sexual sin and sexual immorality. All of this, guys, it is dangerous beyond your ability to comprehend. 
Now, let me give you just kind of an illustration that you're probably going to understand about this. Now, Indiana Jones, those of you who have ever watched any of the, the sequel or the, the series of the Indiana Jones um, movies, um, he was on a quest to find the Ark of the Covenant, which was what? The Holy Grail of all ancient artifacts. And he wanted to find the Ark of the Covenant before it fell into the hands of the Germans because the Germans in this movie or series of movies, they are also looking for the Ark of the Covenant because of what they believed they would receive by having it in their possession. The power they would what have by having the, the Ark of God's Covenant in their very possession. They wanted this Ark, okay? Um, they believe by having this, they would be unstoppable with its powers to what? Conquest the world. So in this sequel, this movie, consumed with desire for this power, they would stop at nothing to obtain it. Indiana Jones found it first, but as fate would have it, they took it from him. You'll remember this in the movie. Now, the very thing that these people thought would actually give them what they wanted. And you'll remember this. They took this to a location out in, out in the remote area, and they, what? They opened the Ark of the Covenant. And this guy looks in the Ark of the Covenant, and he's staring into the Ark of the Covenant, and then what? We see what? The presence of what is to be the presence of God comes out. And what actually happens to this guy is the very thing that he thought would give him what he wanted, ended up being the very thing that absolutely destroyed him. And that is really an analogy that I can share with you guys of what happens to those who get involved in sexual sin. The gratification of what they think it's going to bring them ultimately is bringing about their death and demise. And I say death in a, in, a, in a way that I want you to see and understand it. See, in the confinement of God's design for sex, it is in, in the relationship of God's covenant in marriage between a man and a woman becoming one flesh. And the purpose of sex, it has more than one purpose, obviously propagation, like we want children, um, that's part of that. But there's also something at a very deep level that happens in the act of sex when a man and a woman enter into intercourse. There's something. It's not just an act like an animal. No, it is a very deep, rooted, emotional connection that happens, even spiritual that happens there. And it's important, and it's a gift that God gives us. He didn't have to make it pleasurable, but God did make it pleasurable because it is as a man and woman coming back together, and it's, it's, it's a very significant thing also in the emotional connection of a husband and wife um, as they come together and they share with one another something very holy that only they each share with one another. There's nothing more intimate and close than that. And it is given with parameters within marriage because outside of parameters, it is dangerous because of the damage that it does. So when we think about this, guys, it's very, very important. Why? Because those who indulge in sexual immorality, 
in the end, what they thought was going to bring them gratification and sensual pleasure, which it can, but it will also bring about in the end a great death, a loss and sense of something that is desperately needed um, within the confinement of a monogamous Christian marriage. It's very, very important. I'll say this. I have counseled men that have had 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, even 80 partners. Here's the thing. The good news is for men before Christ who live this way, there is forgiveness. God forgives all that sin. Thank you, Jesus, that your blood atoned for all sin. It's all covered by his blood. And we can receive the imputed righteousness of Christ. But here is the damage. There is damage that is left behind because of what the mind never forgets. See, the consequences of sin are left as a reminder that we don't want to do that anymore. So God forgives the sin. We are standing in righteousness, in the righteousness of Christ, forgiven for all sin. But here's the thing, guys. You can never have what you could have had with your wife if you had never had any other relationships prior to her because you cannot erase all the memories, all the pictures in your mind, all of the aspects of what you did can never be erased. And so in a sense, there's a loss of innocence that you could have experienced wholly with your wife. Not saying you can't have a pleasurable, loving relationship with your wife in Christ, but it, it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. And I know this for a fact, not only from speaking with many men, but because of the reality of what we learn in Scripture. This is true, okay? And so you young guys out there, listen to me. It is worth waiting for God's best God's best. And so there are blessings that come with walking in obedience to God. He has set protective barriers around you for a reason. Because He loves you and He knows the effect of sin. He knows it. And that's why He has set these parameters about living holy and upright. What? In chastity before God. In purity before God. And I'm speaking in sexual purity here is what we're really focused on here today, guys. Now, this is, this is kind of an example I want to share with you. Nuclear energy in and of itself can be a great agent for good. Sex was given by God as a gift of enjoyment, yes, but there's other purposes for it and it's for good. Just like nuclear energy in and of itself can be a great agent for good, but if it's used incorrectly, it can be used as an agent for incredible evil and destruction. Let me give you this example. <clears throat> for good as nuclear energy, it can be a source of energy to produce electricity, power generation, to use for the good of humanity. In other words, we can use what? Nuclear fusion, nuclear power in order to get what? Something that produces a benefit in my life. And it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But 
Also, for evil, nuclear energy can become the source to produce nuclear bombs for the eradication of human life. And that's what happens when you take sex and you use it in the wrong context. It becomes an agent of destruction every single time. God gave it for good, but when it's used out of the confined context of God's purpose, it can be used for great evil. Don't ever forget this. It's important to remember this. God the Creator, guys, has set parameters around sex. Sex is only to be enjoyed within the covenant of a monogamous marriage between one man and one woman for life. Now, I know that sounds old school. It's not my word. It's God's word. It's God's design. Genesis chapter 2, verses 20 through 25. We're going to see a beautiful picture of this. So God makes man in his image. <clears throat> he creates him from the dust of the earth. He breathes life into him. He becomes a living being. And he's created in the likeness and the image of God. Adam was created first. Then God noticed it wasn't good for Adam to be alone because there was no suitable helper for Adam like there were among the other beasts that were created. By the way, here's an important factor. We are not animals. We have a spirit. We are created in the likeness and image of God. Animals are not created in the likeness and image of God. They have no spirit like we have. Okay? So when an animal engages in reproduction, it is animalistic in behavior. It becomes a response to something that is in them naturally. They don't, they don't do that year round. In other words, I'm speak, let's just use cattle for example. Cattle um, have a cycle, a 21-day cycle, and a cow is not receptive to a bull, but only for a few hours during that 21-day cycle. And so the bull, although he may have the animal instinct to breed, he only is, is able or allowed by the cow to breed the cow only a few hours, guys, out of a 21-day period. And then there's nine months of gestation. There is no breeding then. And then the cow gives birth. And then she's got what? A, a time period that she even doesn't come in heat. So see, the animalistic part of this is just God's given innate um, instinct to breed. Within human beings, though, we are made for relationship. We're made for this relationship and the two coming together and forming one flesh. These are very, very important things. Listen, listen to this. So Adam didn't have a suitable helper. So God put Adam asleep. And what he did was he took out of Adam something, a rib. Yes, but more than a rib. Because Adam responds when he wakes up and sees Eve, who was taken out of Adam. He sees her and says, ah, this is woman, for she is flesh of my flesh, and she is bone of my bone. And now God made a suitable helper or helpmeet for Adam. And God has so designed the male and the female 
that there is no life until the two come back to being one flesh. But this one flesh nature of man with a man and a woman, it is something that happens at a very, very, very internal level. It's not an animal act. There's something more tied to this for a great reason. And so there's no such thing, guys, as free sex. That doesn't exist. There is something that is given internally. I'm talking about in the soul, in the emotion. And there's something that, that, that is never received back once it's given. You don't get it back. It's gone. And what happens to people who do this over and over and over and over and over and over again is now we have this hardening of this emotion that happens. And before long, women are nothing but objects of sexual pleasure. And the man has no intention of any relationship, any emotional connection. He just becomes jacked up in his mind. In other words, he's just using this woman. He's using her. And the woman, it gets more difficult for her to have an emotional connection to men because she becomes hardened to all of this thing. And there's emotional trauma that's caused from all of this. And she's given herself away to so many men. And the purpose of this is to create this great union of emotion and connectedness that we all desire, but it's broken and it's destroyed through sin. This isn't a joke. This is serious. Hear what I'm telling you. It will help you. It will save you from sorrow and heartbreak and destruction. It will, if you listen to what I'm saying, it will keep you from harm. And you will. The most happy, fulfilled in, in relationship sexually are not those men who are just notching their belt and going to a bar and finding a new chick every weekend to basically take from her any power she has over him. They are just, what, whoring around. They are not satisfied. All you have to do is talk to these men. They are void. They are empty. Sex no longer has that emotional fulfillment. It's just animalistic in nature. It's just, just getting their need met. Man, it's all lust and it's all about what they're getting. It's got nothing to do with giving whatsoever. It is animalistic in nature and they are destroying themselves and they are the most unhappy in sex. The most happy are these beautiful, monogamous, committed relationships between one man and one woman for a lifetime. Because in that, and only in that, can you have this incredible connection not, not fettered and all just frayed from hundreds of different relationships. No, no, no. You're connected to that one woman and that one man. And there is a connection at the soul of that relationship. And there is pleasure there. And there is love there. And there is emotional satisfaction and enjoyment. And it is a gift to be enjoyed for the Christian woman and the Christian man who have dedicated themselves to God and to one another is beautiful. It's incredible. It's worth the wait. Now, marriage is holy unto God, for it represents in type, guys, 
This is why it's so much bigger than what people realize. Go back and listen to my podcast on marriage. It'll help you understand this covenant, this whole thing about becoming one flesh. What does it represent? Why does the man take the role as Christ? Why does the woman take the bride role as being the church? What's going on here? Because at a much deeper level, we are representing our union of being with Christ as Christians. You're in union, if you're a Christian man, with Christ. What does that mean? Everywhere in Scripture, it's going to say, in Christ, we have been given all things. Through Christ, in Christ, we are in union with Christ. We have received His imputed righteousness. We've been clothed with Christ. We have been added to the body of Christ Jesus. This is, this is incredible. And if you're not in Christ, you will not be saved. But if you're in Christ, you've received adoption and sonship and all of those things that go and pertain to salvation. And so marriage is holy. And most people have no concept of how holy this covenant of marriage is. And it's a covenant, by the way. And it is a blood covenant. Guys, it's a blood covenant. Now, any sex, guys... Because a lot of people say, well, hold on. Well, how far can I go? What can I do? Listen, if that's your mindset, you really need to do some examination about your salvation. Because a Christian man's desire is not to see how far away from God he can walk and still be right with God. No, the heart of a Christian man is how far away from sin can I be so that I can be close as I can be to God. How close can I walk with God? Not how far away I can walk from God. See, this is the thing. If you're playing around, toying around with the idea that, you know what, I can view porn. That's not actually an act of sex. Oh, no, no, no. The word pornea is actually sexual immorality. It's where we get the word poured from, as we're going to learn here in Scripture. Because it begins with a thought, and it will make itself into an action in time. Not only that, that is sin to be what? Lusting and watching all these filthy things. And it's affecting you, and you don't even know it, but it is. And we're going to get into the deeper root of why this is so horrific and why Paul says every other sin you commit outside the body except for sexual sin. And that is one that you commit against your body. You say, what in the world's that? Well, we're going to talk about that in just a second. So listen, here it is. I'm going to help you guys. Any sex outside of the covenant relationship between one man and one woman is sin. That is, that is pornography, that, that, the scope goes on, fornication. See, here's the thing too, we talk a lot about homosexuality in the church, but did you know listed among those who will not inherit the kingdom are not only homosexuals, but are fornicators and adulterers. Why is that? Because fornication is a twisted form of God's intent of the purity and the incredible nature of marriage and sex. And so if you're outside of a marriage relationship and a covenant relationship committed to one another for a lifetime and you're having sex with individuals, that's called fornication. That's sex outside of marriage. And so a lot of people say, well, yeah, homosexual sex, that's twisted, that's wrong, and that's sin, and God will judge that. No, God will judge the fornicator just as he judges the homosexual. That's the truth. So, so here's the thing. Sex between one man and one woman outside of marriage is a twisting of the purity of sex and is sin, period. It's period. 
pornography, homosexual uh, sex, um, incest, all of these depraved things that, that, that come from this. All of it just gets more twisted and twisted and twisted because your mind gets twisted and it gets sick and depraved. And that's what happens as we keep going through all this. 1 Corinthians, guys, chapter 6, 13 through 16. Listen to this. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, Paul says, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Now listen, these are very important passages of Scripture. Do you not know that your bodies, guys, listen to this, they are members of Christ. They're part of the body of Christ. They're part of the members of the body of Christ Jesus. The members are like the hands, the feet, all of the parts of the body. Christ is the head, and we make up the what? The parts of the body. And this is just a, a physical illustration of the spiritual reality of what's going on here. You are part of the body of Jesus Christ. You're part of the members of his body. This is so huge, guys. Listen to what this says. You need to hear this and you need to grasp what goes on here in our salvation. Shall I then take the members, the parts of the body of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Paul, what are you saying? Paul's saying that when we as Christians who are part of the body of Christ, when we fornicate, what are we doing? We're fornicating with the very members that are in union as part of the body of Christ Jesus. Think about this just for a moment. What is he saying? This is huge. He says, never would you ever do that to Jesus? Would you ever connect parts of the body of Christ to a prostitute? Paul says, never, exclamation point. And he says, or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute, how? Through sex, the union becomes, this is so huge, one body with her. Guys, can you let that just sink in your mind, what Paul is saying here? It's incredible. We are in union with Christ, men. We are members of His body. Paul makes this statement very clear. Shall I take the members of the body of Christ and shall I, in sexual immorality, join them with a prostitute? He says, never. If you're a Christian man and you're involving yourself in fornication, do you see the magnitude of what you're doing? Let it sink in. So what is Paul referring to in sexual immorality? Well, the word here is pornea. It is fornication. It is whoredom. It is 
pornography, pornographic. It is derived from pornea to sell off, properly the selling off or surrendering of sexual purity. It is promiscuity of any and every type. It is literally viewing porn. That is sexual immorality. Fornicating sexually, homosexual sin, adultery. All of these are aspects of this pornea, this twisting of what God designed for sex to be. Paul says, shall a Christian man who is part of the body of Jesus Christ unite him with a prostitute? Paul says, no way. You would never do that. And yet so many of you who call yourselves Christians are doing this very thing. This is huge. I'm going to get into the... To, see, I think if we have more understanding here, we'll be able to grasp why this is such a big deal. Now here, let's move on. We are to live, men, for the glory of God. Almighty. Sexual sin, guys, is actually idolatry, as we see in Scripture. In other words, we are worshiping something other than God because we are what? We are, we are setting it above God. God tells us, no, you can't do this. Do not do this. Do not, do not, do not. And we say, no, I want this. So you set it above God. Idolatry in and of itself at its very lowest point is idolatry. And that's why God judged the nation of Israel so strictly in the Old Testament. It was a type at its very root idolatry as all sin is it's idolatry Paul says that that we as Christians are what we become one body here with Christ and yet if we join ourselves to a woman outside of marriage we become one flesh with a prostitute because of the very deep nature of of the emotional and spiritual aspect that God has intended for this to be in the lives of those created in His likeness and in His image. Sexual sin is never just a physical act. A lot of people say, oh yeah, it doesn't mean anything. You're a narcissist if you're at that point. See, that is true within psychology. People who just sexually indulge over and over and over and over again, did you know over time become narcissistic? Because now it's all about manipulation of others to get your gratification of what you want. You don't care about that person. That is nothing more than a, than a, than a mat that you're walking on. It doesn't matter. You will manipulate them any way that you can to get from them what you want and to have power over that individual. That's a narcissist, man. But that is what happens to people who have multiple partners. Those people now become objects. That's all they are. An object for sexual lustful gratification and they will manipulate and do whatever it takes to achieve that with no recourse or care about that other individual see that's called hooking up hooking up yeah you hook up you get, it's death as you're hooking up to now it's never a physical act like an animal it's not because you're not an animal all right 
there is a spiritual heart connection that happens. The more partners that one has, the harder their heart gets. But there's no such thing as free sex among humans. God did not intend the effects of sex on the heart to be undone easily. Rather, he designed sex to reinforce the permanence of the marriage relationship. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 again, Paul here talking to the Corinthian believers. He writes this in 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body, period. Or do you not know that your body, guys, if you don't hear any other thing that I say in this podcast, you need to write this down. This is so huge. Or do you not know, speaking to Christian men and women, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, listen to this, within you, whom you have from God. You're not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify in your glorify God in your body. Why is this so very significant? Paul says first of all that sexual sin is the only sin that one commits against his own body. You say, "Ah, that's no big deal. What does that mean?" Then he moves on to the next verse. He says, do you not know something about your body, Christian man? He says, God no longer resides in temples like he did the Old, the Old Testament, where he what? His presence would fill the holy of holies. It was the holy place where God, by his presence, would dwell. He doesn't reside there anymore. But now where does he reside? Guys, you don't have a big enough view of the holiness of God, and you certainly don't have a large enough hatred for sin. Because listen to what Paul says here. This is huge. Your body, men, is now a temple. And who resides now in your temple? The Holy Spirit of God. So when you sin sexually, you are what? Desecrating your temple. And who lives in that temple? Guys, you need to get this if you don't get anything else. God, the Holy Spirit. Now, you say, I, I, I'm addicted. I'll sober you up right now. I, I can't, I, I can't, I can't get over this. I just can't help it. I just love it. I want, let me tell you something. You need to hear what I'm saying. You are desecrating the temple of God. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. 
It's the only sin you commit against the body. You are of the body of Christ. And because you are, the Spirit of God came to live in you. And when you are fornicating, the Spirit of God, you're fornicating with the temple of God. That's serious. That's like Samuel's sons that God destroyed who were what? Having sex with women who were serving in the temple. They had no fear of God, no regard for His temple, nothing holy. They were having sex with women who were serving in the temple. And God says, I'm going to kill them because they have desecrated my holy things. See, the problem is we don't have any concept about this temple. It matters. You see, I've never been taught this stuff. No, probably not. You need to know these things. It will stop you instantly from, from using porn. You know why it does? Because when you, the temple that you have, that the Holy Spirit resides in, when you're sitting in front of your phone, or you're sitting in front of your computer screen, or you're looking at that magazine, and you think no one else is there, that is a lie. God, by His Spirit, is residing in the very temple that you are what? Using to what? View porn. You're not doing that alone. The Spirit of God is right there with you. You're desecrating the temple. Do you not, do you not see the, the gravity of this? This is huge. And so... Sexual sin, guys, is big. I want this to sink in in your mind. Sink it in. Why? Because you can stop this deal quick. It will sober you up when you start realizing that what I'm doing is no different than what the sons of Samuel were doing. They're hooking up with chicks in the temple, man. God says, I'm going to kill them, and he did. He killed them for it. Serious business. Yes, God forgives sin, but do not take this lightly. Quit trampling on the grace of God. Don't do it. You better sober up, man. And this should, this should, this should wake you up like, like nothing has ever woken you up before. You don't play around with this. This is serious business. And there's reasons that we're going to read what Paul wrote here in a little bit. I want to stress this. And here's what I hear guys say. Well, hold on. I'm eternally secure. Let me tell you something. That a doctrine has been abused and mistaught to millions of people. From preachers who are just throwing out something that they should cautiously teach their people. Very cautiously, there are many people who are going to be in hell who thought they were eternally secure because of some teaching some preacher did somewhere. No genuine faith has evidence. So that's why Paul says this. You say, well, John, why are you so passionate? Because this is destroying you. This is hurting the church greatly. This is desecrating the temple of God. This is profaning the name of Jesus Christ. This is a huge deal. It is ruining your future. It will affect your marriage, guys, in ways that you don't even know. You say, oh no, I won't affect my marriage. Yes, it will. 
It will have a great impact on your marriage. You will not be able to enjoy the fruit of the blessing of the innocence of sex in marriage like you could have. It's a big deal. And it has led many people to destruction. And Satan knows this is your number one vice. This is the number one tool that he can draw you away and deceive you. And I only share this with you because I care enough about you to say this, guys. Wake up with this, man. Don't play around with this. It's serious. So, we need to hate this and be aware that this is an enemy tactic that he has used for thousands of, gener- thousands of years and he continues to use today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13-14, Paul writes this a few chapters later to these men at Corinth. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. What does that mean? I hear guys say, well, God won't put on me more than I can handle. That's not what the Bible says. This scripture that you're referring to says God will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability to stand against it. Why? Because you're no longer a slave to sin. And you have power now through the Spirit of God to what? Overcome these things. But here's what we know. But with the temptation, He, God, will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Here's the provision, guys. Flee. Flee. That is the provision. That is the first provision. Flee from sexual immorality. It means to get up and go now. Like Joseph. Like Joseph, we act like Joseph was like, no, no, I'm sure that Potiphar's wife was probably a beautiful woman being married to a man of high esteem. And yet she lusted after Joseph and said, come to bed with me, man. And what did Joseph do? He keeps putting her off, putting her off, putting her off. And then finally she grabs him, jerks off his cloak. He didn't stand there. He ran. He ran. So men, number one, run. Flee from it, period. Don't entertain it. Don't allow it to begin to sink in. Start looking and start... No, you flee from this because you should know how deadly this thing... If somebody throws a grenade, pulls the pin, throws a grenade out in front of you and it lands at your feet, are you going to sit there and just look at that grenade? Heck no! There's going to be an immediate response that you are going to take. It is called, get the heck out of there now. You may kick it. I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to get away from it one way or the other. See, we, we look at sexual sin like we can play around with it. Oh, it doesn't hurt anything. I'm not actually engaged in sexual intercourse here. I mean, that's only second base. I mean, there's no harm here. Are you kidding me? It's a grenade that is fixing to blow you apart. You need to see it for what it is. And it needs to be killed in your life. It needs to be stomped out. It needs to be eradicated from your life. 
That is the truth. So anyone who says, and you're going to hear, guys, and some of you might be saying, I just cannot, I can't do this, I can't overcome it, this temptation's too much, you're deceiving yourself and you're lying to yourself. The truth is you can flee, you just don't want to flee. And this is all by an act of your own will and your desire for that lust, and you will be hooked. But it ends in something, and it doesn't end in life. Every single time it ends in death. Solomon calls it this, a man being led to slaughter. <laughs> That's true. When you're viewing porn or having illicit and ungodly sex with all, or, or, or all that's involved, it involves your body. Your body as a Christian man is joined with Christ. Your body is a temple of God who is indwelt, that is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It is as if you are involving the body of Christ and the Holy Spirit in your sexual sinful acts. Let that just sink in your brain for a few moments. We need to return to a healthy fear of God. You have for so many years now within the church, which is, is off, off the rails in many ways, becoming so worldly. Here's what you hear. God loves you. 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 Here's the truth. God is love and God demonstrated his love. And yes, God loves his kids, his children. But here's the thing. God disciplines the disobedient children. He will whoop your tail. That's what he'll do. If you're truly a child of God. If you're not, you're illegitimate. You're not his child. And therefore, he's not disciplining you. So God forgives our sin. Guys, right now, here's what I want to share with you, the good news. If you're struggling with sexual sin, if you're viewing porn on the, re porn on the regular or, or just periodically, I want you to go before God, understanding that you've been joined with Christ, you're part of his body, and that you are, what, the temple of God now, and you are, what, filled with the Spirit of God, and you've been engaging in these illicit things of sexual sin. Go before God now, understanding in your might, in your mind, that this this is what you've been doing. Repent in brokenness before God. Repent and return to a healthy fear of God. A healthy fear of God. We need to have a much clearer view of God's holiness. His holiness. And we need a much greater hatred of sin. Ephesians 6, 9-11 It's not what I want. It's the wrong verse. Anyway, Galatians 5, 16 through 21. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. This is what Paul shares, and I'll share hopefully here again in, um, in uh, 
in this passage of scripture here. This is going to be actually 1 Corinthians. Should be 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Let me, let me do this real quick, guys. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes these words, telling these men, um, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. You can write that down. This is important, um, what Paul writes here in relation to... <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, 1 Corinthians, let's try this again, 6, there we go, 9 through 11. Yay, I don't have my Bible with me, so i got to type it in here. He says this, Paul first says this in 1 Corinthians, and then we'll get into Galatians. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? But men will say, but hold on, I have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is a true statement. But you better have a good understanding about what that even means. He says, do not be deceived. Paul says this, neither the sex, guys, listen, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor idolaters, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Paul says, if you are living a lifestyle of these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes on and says this, And such, past tense, were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Paul says that's not how a new man in Christ lives. That's how you used to live before you knew Jesus. If you're still living that way, there's a very good possibility you're not in Christ. You're just a poser. That's all you are. And if that's your lifestyle, you have no security in your salvation whatsoever. But what Paul says, if that's the way you live, if you live in a sexual and moral way of life, you're more than likely not ever even saved. And Paul emphatically says, will not inherit the kingdom of, of, of God. He says it again here in Galatians chapter 5, and here it is. Paul says the same thing. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity. It always starts with sexual immorality, by the way. Um, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Paul says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do, the word do there means actively living a lifestyle of this. Paul says, those who do such things, here it is, guys, not my word, Paul's words, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not. He goes on and says this a few verses away. Do not be deceived. This is Galatians 6, 7 through 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whoever... For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit, Holy Spirit that is, reap eternal life. Now, there's a situation that we find to be um, 
devastating in the people of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And it is this worship of Baal. Baal worship involved illicit, crazy acts of sexual worship. It's very prevalent today, by the way. It is a spirit of deprivation and illicit sexual, sexual activity. And, and what happened was, you remember the story of Balaam and Balak. And um, we have this king so desiring to, to, to defeat Israel and could not get Balaam to curse Israel as, one of the pro, as, a, as a prophet because God wouldn't let him. And so what ended up happening, and you go to Book of Revelation, you'll find this out. What ended up happening was Balaam said, okay, I can't curse the people of God because God's not going to let me. But let me tell you how you can get God to what? To discipline and to pour out his wrath on his own people. See, let me tell you how you do this. You get the women who are worshiping Baal in this sex worship to go over now and begin to mingle among the men of Israel and, and invite the men of Israel to come with them to this worship ceremony. And these men of Israel, of course, through their own lust and perversion, were all about the worship of Baal. They loved the worship of Baal. Why? Because they got to, to be parts of orgies and all kinds of sex acts. And there was a free-for-all going on. I mean, what kind of worship was that? All the men were right there, boy. They're into it. And so God began to judge the nation of Israel for whoring with the women of Baal. And what did God do? He sends this plague he sends a plague and begins to kill the men. But let me read this to you first out of Numbers 25, 1 through 9. While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. They invited the people to sacrifice with their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked, becoming yoked now, yoked himself to Baal. See this? Of Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, You take all the chiefs of the people and you hang them in the sun before the Lord. God says, I ain't playing around here. I am judging these men right now. The elders, the leaders who should have been instructing their people and, and in reinforcing God's word and God's law on their life were allowing their people to go and do this. And so, you know what? God says, I'm going to hold these men accountable. And that's what God does. He says, take all the chiefs of the people, hang them in the sun before the Lord, and the fierce anger of the Lord may, so that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. They're killing them. Right? This is the plague, by the way. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family 
in the sight of Moses, in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel, while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Here we have the very place where God's dwelling in the tent of meeting, where Moses would go and meet with God. And right at the close to the tent of meeting, which is like the temple, if you will, where God dwelled before the temple was built. We have this man taking this woman and he brings her while people are mourning and God is killing these people, yoking themselves to Baal. This man, no fear of God, no concern about that. He's what? He's going to involve himself in illicit fornication. This is sexual immorality. While God is judging these people for sexual immorality and yoking themselves through the sexual immorality to the God in which these people worshiped and they did this type of ceremonial sex before this God as worship to him, he brings this chick into his tent while all this is going on. No concern for God or God's wrath or his judgment. See, there's the thing. When you preach love all the time to people, which is true, God is love. We never hear him preach about hell. You don't ever hear preachers they preach about hell. You don't ever hear him pre- them preach about wrath of God. You don't ever hear them preach much about the consequences of sin. No, because God, he's just this loving, 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 love. No, God is holy, and his holiness matters to God. His holiness does. And if he resides in your temple, by His Spirit, and you've been joined to Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, and you're joined to His body, do not take it lightly. And don't take His holiness for granted or lightly. And what did God do when all this happened? This is going on. Here's something that happened that's very significant. And this is what you need to do. You need to be like this man, Phineas, which we've talked about in other podcasts, and you need to deal with this sexual immorality that fast now. So look what happens here. When Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, saw what? This man bring this woman into his tent. He rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel, into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. See, what we need to do in relation to sexual sin against God is we need to take a proverbial spear and we need to drive it through it and kill it. Kill it. That's what we need to do. Men, you need to take this serious. I have seen this destroy so many people. Their lives have been destroyed. Men leading their wives in sexual immorality. Got all kinds of crazy crap going on in these things. This is never. Sexual immorality should not even be mentioned among the people of God, Paul says. Take it serious. Remember whose body you're part of. You don't want to join Jesus Christ to a prostitute. Remember that you're a temple and the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. And the members of your body are to be offered to God as slaves to righteousness. And that includes your eyes. That includes your ears. That includes your mouth. 
That includes your hands and your feet and your body. It's the temple. And we're not going to desecrate this temple in that way. Guys, thank you. I know this was a heavy podcast, but I can't express to you enough the serious nature of sexual immorality. Stop playing around with it. Ask God for forgiveness today and he will forgive you. Repent of it with broken and contrite hearts. And repentance means that I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'm going to go another direction. If you're truly repentant, that's what you'll do. But if you understand the nature of who you are and what you're doing, you will stop now. Make a covenant with your eyes. As we get into next week, you're going to see the whole process in which Satan's using in order to bring you into this. And it all begins with your own lustful desire. And that's where the whole thing begins to move forward. Guys, I love you in Christ. I'm grateful for the privilege of actually sharing any of these things with you. I trust and hope that God will use this for your good and for his glory. And guys, you got to be gritty. And it takes a gritty man to live for the glory of God. God bless you guys. And we'll catch you next time here on the Gritty Men Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.